Good morning, everyone. It's good to be here with you and uh, in God's house. Daniel, thank you for leading us in uh, the songs this morning. Uh, just a worshipful time. And uh, enjoy being here with you. Uh, we uh, were kind of scattered this morning. My wife had to teach Sunday school at Gospel Haven. And uh, someone asked me, well, why in the world would pastor's wife have to teach Sunday school with the size church and I said well she enjoys it and uh, I think they have a rotation at their class but uh, yeah it's, it's uh, just a good to be in God's house and the time of year it is before I uh, Brenda asked me if I would preach a message on uh, love and loving God before that I just uh, I'm reading a little devotional right now that has to do with Advent which uh, we uh, last Sunday at Gospel Haven we started with uh, well we started with hope today it's peace and then joy and love and up in the Christ candle we light a candle every Sunday so there's a little devotional came along I thought I'd read it I see uh, young children here so I thought you parents would enjoy this story uh, little Johnny uh, he this must have been a long time ago but he enjoyed the the Roy Rogers show on TV which I don't know what it is but Roy had a horse named Trigger. And this little boy, he was four years old, and he was a cowboy at home, you know, acting like a cowboy. Anyway, he had a little two-year-old sister. But he also liked the story of Mary uh, and Joseph and the baby and the donkey. So for Christmas, Johnny received a six-shooter as a cowboy, and his sister got a doll. A few days later, the mother heard the four-year-old say to his sister, Mary, swaddle that baby and jump on trigger. That's his pony because we're heading to Bethlehem. Uh, then he goes on to say, sometimes the enormity of God's gift in Christ is lost to us amid crowded malls, too many social events, overspending, overeating, or just plain fatigue. Any of you experienced that over Thanksgiving, just overeating and fatigue and crowds? But we have control over our schedules and our reactions. We can't control other people's actions or many of the, the events of this time of year. But we can control our reaction. When we are tempted to feel that Christmas is too commercialized, let's stop and give thanks that people who never enter a church are hearing the story of Jesus' birth through Christmas carols. And when we are irritated by the traffic, we should stop and think how marvelous it is that a baby born more than 2,000 years ago in the Middle East can cause a traffic jam halfway around the world. The secret, of course, is to keep our eyes on Jesus. When we don't readily picture ourselves as crucifying Christ, but who among us has not had some share, has not had some share in the rejection of him simply because we have found no room? That was a challenge for me. In the busyness of my life and my schedule and your schedule, are we, are we crowding Christ out? And when we do that, yes, we are a part of that, of crucifying him. At least I am. So this morning, uh, my question to you as a church is, and that, this is not me, but the question I have for you comes out of uh, John chapter 21, and that is when, when Jesus asked Peter, he said, do you love me? And, and the context of that, we're not going to read that, but in, in John 21, it was after Jesus had risen from the dead, and this was, he made his third 
appearance. It's the story where we get the children sing, uh, uh, cast your nets on the other side. That's the story. And they were fishing all night. Couldn't catch any fish. They were frustrated. And that was their job. That was their livelihood. You men can identify with that. Sometimes we get frustrated. And this stranger comes up on the shore. And they didn't know who it was. And they said, and he said, hey, cast your, uh, it says 200 cubits, about 360 feet from the shore. He said, hey, cast your nets on the other side. And they did, and the net was filled up. And they, they brought it in and says, Peter gathered his clothes because he didn't have any clothes on, and he went into Jesus, and then the rest brought the boat, and there was a fire there, and they ate. And then during that time is when Jesus confronted Peter three times said, do you love me? And Peter, by the third time, he got irritated. He said, yes, I, of course I love you. And I wonder how you and I would respond if, if we would be confronted with Jesus and he would, three times he would ask that question, do you love me? Preston, do you, do you love me? Of course I love God. But then he said, after that he said, feed my sheep. Every time he said, feed my sheep, and if you look it up in the Greek, what he, what he means by feeding my sheep, the one time it's pastoring and caring, and the next time it's nurturing. So if we truly, if we truly love God with everything that we have, all the abilities God has given us, we've, everything is dedicated to God, and we truly love God, it automatically it causes us to feed the sheep, to nurture each other, to care for each other, to care for your children. Part of, part of Denver's responsibility, yeah, he's a father and a husband, but because of the love of God in him, he nurtures and he, he is a husband and he's a father to his family. That's what God's love does for us, in us. So this morning, my, I ask you, do you love God? And how deep and genuine is that love? I'd like for you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 22. And I'd like to begin there. Uh, this is the verse that uh, we had looked at. Uh, I'd like to read uh, verses 33 to 40. And uh, in this setting here, it's the Pharisees and the Sadducees were all, all through this chapter 22, they were trying to trap Jesus. They had asked him about uh, different questions. Just before this, they asked him about the woman who had a husband and he died and then they, she married like seven times. And, and it says that, that uh, in verse 33, it says, a multitude was astonished at his doctrine. And the Pharisees heard that he had actually caused the Sadducees not to to silence them, which was amazing. And then in verse 34, uh, 33, it says, When the multitude heard this, they were astonished at his doctrine. But when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Verse 35, Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? And here's Jesus' response. And this is what we're focusing on today. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, 
and with all thy mind. Now he says, this is the first and the great commandment, and the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Verse 40, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now, Jesus was actually quoting Deuteronomy 6, verse 5. That's the first time we read where it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and mind. And if you look at the uh, Gospels, this story is recorded in three of the Gospels. In Mark, it actually says four things, heart, soul, mind, and strength. And in Luke, it's the same thing, heart, soul, mind, and strength. Some of those, it says that he was talking to a scribe. Other times, it says he was talking to a lawyer. So what, what does it mean when you and I love God with our heart, our soul, and our mind, and our strength? What is Jesus saying that... that because it's easy for us, if I, would ask, if I would ask any of you, if I would meet you on the street, and I would say, do you love God? You'd say, of course I do. But do we, do we truly know what it's like to love the Lord our God with a heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength? So I'd like to just briefly just share, uh, and, and when we talk about the love, before I go into that, uh, we're talking about agape love because I don't, I don't speak another language, well, Pennsylvania Dutch, but I can only imagine when a foreigner comes into the U.S. and we say, we love chicken or we love steak. And then we say, we love our dog. And then we say, I love my wife. And then we say, we love God. I can see how that gets confusing. So what are we saying? But to this morning, just to be clear, we're talking about agape love, which means unconditional love, sacrificial love. It's what, it's what Jesus did when he sent his son to die on the cross. And as I think of that, there's really no greater way of showing your love than if you're willing to give your only son because two weeks ago we celebrated Thanksgiving and uh, all of our children were home except one. And uh, uh, one of our daughters is over in Asia right now. Couldn't come home for Thanksgiving. Yeah, it was hard. It was, we missed her and she missed not being there. And I thought, you know what? That is so, not to minimize that we missed her, but that is minute compared to what Christ did for us. He gave his son but if you, I want you to notice something, what happened. When Christ gave his son, what happened in return? He returned back to him. And the more we love God, that we're willing to give up everything that he has entrusted to us, all the talents, if we're willing to say, God, I'm only a steward of it, I want you to use this as you see fit. God will in return... What goes around comes around. God will bless you in ways way beyond what we'll ever understand, what we'll ever be able to comprehend. God gave his son. His son has returned, and now his children, if we will someday be in eternity with him. 
There's no greater, I, I just, there's no greater love than what Christ did. So the phileo, that's a brotherly love. That's where Philadelphia gets its name, the city of Philadelphia is a phileo love. And then the eros is the, that's the intimacy between a man and a woman. That's a different type of love. And then there's the storge is the love that you love friends, you love pets, you love steak. So there's different, that's the different kinds of love. Now the, the eros, it was interesting. Uh, two of our children have started dating relationships in the last year. And so I have had the pleasure of observing this Eros love develop. And you'd ask him, how's the relationship going? Oh, I just like her. I just like him. I don't really love him yet. And all of a sudden, you see it turn into a real intimate love. And they sit there in the living room, and they don't even notice you're there. So it's a beautiful thing. And uh, it's, it's a good thing. It's interesting how I just wanted to share those different types of love. This morning, what we're focusing on is the agape love, and that is unconditional love. And my prayer and my challenge for you this morning, my question is, how deep is your love for God? What would you be willing to give up for Christ? For the sake of Christ? And so, if you love God in your heart, the Greek meaning for that is you know Him. Can you love someone? I was, as I was studying this week, I have a question. Can you love someone that you don't have a relationship with? Can you? Can you love someone you have no relationship with? Uh, it's, not a, it's not a trick question. I'm wrestling with it. How deep can your love be for God if you don't have a relationship with Him? If you don't read God's Word... Leon, if you don't read God's Word, how, how deep a relationship can you actually have with God? If you don't spend time with God, you know Him, yeah, I love Him, but can you really have... I, I don't believe you can have a very deep relationship. You can have much love for somebody if you don't have a relationship with Him. Yeah, so we can love the sinner, but to have the intimate relationship, what we're talking about today, I have to have a relationship with God. And the closer my relationship is with God, the deeper my appreciation is for Him of what He did for me. And I was looking at God's Word and, and, and I was praying, God, show me an example in God's Word of a man who, who really can give us an example of how, how, how to love God. And my mind went to Psalm 63. I'd like for you to turn to Psalm 63. And I know it's going away from the verse that Jesus talked about. But David, uh, and I'd like to just take a a few minutes to share the context of, of this particular psalm. And when the scholars think that this was written. And Psalm 63, it's short, it's 11 verses. And it says that, David wrote this psalm when he was in the wilderness of Judah. And there was only two times when David spent an extensive amount of time in the wilderness. Obviously, he was a shepherd taking care of the sheep. But the two times that he was spent significant amount of time out in the wilderness was when Saul was after his life 
And then when his son, Absalom, tried to take his kingdom, his kingship. Those are the two times. And if you look at verse 11, it says, but the king shall rejoice in God. And so Bible scholars say that David wrote this when his son Absalom tried to take over the kingdom. And I'd like for you to, to notice there's a, there's a lot of phrases in here. I'd like to read the whole chapter. So Psalm 63 Imagine, and it takes place back in 2 Samuel 15 to 19. I'm not going to turn there. What happened is that Absalom had, had uh, killed his, one of his brothers, and there was this separation of relationship between David and Absalom. And it had been years uh, that David and Absalom had been separated. Uh, Absalom was over in Hebron, and he wanted a relationship with his father, with his dad, And Joab tried to get that together, and it didn't work. And so eventually, Absalom started rallying, meeting people at the gate, and he started gaining the people's confidence. And he tried to win all the people over to him. He had an army. And the story is here where men came to David and said, your son Absalom is coming with an army to fight in Jerusalem. And David said, David loved the city of Jerusalem so much, he told his people, we're going to leave the city. And we're not going to allow Jerusalem to be destroyed. So David literally and all his men and his families left the city of Jerusalem. And they went out into the desert, out into, into the country to, to protect the city. And later, there was war. And, and about 20,000 of Absalom's men were killed. Remember the story? Absalom was on a mule, was going, and his hair got caught in a tree. And then Joab went and killed him. So that's, that's the context of where this psalm was written. It says, O God, you are my God. Early I will seek you. My soul thirsteth for you. My flesh Longeth for you in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. I want to ask you a question. You look at that first verse. Have you ever have you ever physically been in an area or a time where you literally didn't have any water and it was dry and hot and you would have done anything to get water? Have you ever experienced that? You might have been maybe out of food. Maybe you're out. Maybe some of you were running or hunting or I don't know. I just recall years ago, it was probably 10 years ago, I traveled with uh, Gospel Haven Academy High School to Flagstaff for a conference. And the next day after the conference, we hiked the Grand Canyon. And we went down early in the morning, and we're going to hike out the same day. And if you've ever been out there, it's 50 degrees in the morning. You get down, and by the middle of the afternoon, it's in the 90s. And as we were hiking out, all these young kids took off, and uh, I was the last one coming out. And it was extremely hot. And that was probably the one time where I came as close as I ever thought that I was literally going to die. I didn't think I was going to make it out of there. It just, I just looked up and there was just one switchback right after another and it was almost straight up. But I'm here today, so I got out. But that was probably the closest physically where I just was exhausted, where I couldn't get enough water. And I thought, am I going to make it out of here? So David is... In verse 1, he describes a scene here where his soul is thirsty, 
His flesh is dry and there's no water. To see thy power, in verse 2, and thy glory, so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary, because thy loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise thee. Verse 4, thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. Verse 5, my soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness. And with my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the night watches, because thou hast been my help, therefore in the shadow of thy wings I will rejoice. My soul followeth hard after thee. Thy right hand upholdeth me. But those that seek my soul to destroy it shall go into the lower parts of the earth. They shall fall by the sword. They shall be a portion for foxes. But the king shall rejoice in God. Everyone that sweareth by him shall glory. But the mouth of them that speak lies shall be stopped. As I read over this chapter, I began to see a picture of a man who had an extreme love for God. So my challenge to you this morning, my question again is, do you love God? Can you see yourself with the kind of love that David has? Do you seek God early? What do you do when you thirst? I'm talking about spiritually or the spiritual. When you have a spiritual need, what do you, what do you long for? Where do you go? Do you go to God's word? Or do you, do you go to social media? When you're, when you're drained emotionally, do you go to Facebook or Twitter? Or do you go to God's word? What do you go to the first thing in the morning? Do you quick go check to make sure? Did I get any new messages? Got to check my emails. Got to check how many likes I got the last time I posted. What do you long for? What do you talk about with your friends? Now, I'm not against having a a good relationship with someone where you can share the latest, greatest hunting story. But what, what do you, what do you, he talks about meditating. What do you think about? What do you meditate on? That's what I see here. David, David longed to have a relationship with God. He thirsted for a spiritual relationship. <clears throat> and he sought God early. And I just want to challenge myself. And I, I, I felt extremely, I think Mervyn texted me just yesterday. Thank you, Mervyn. Just said he's praying. And, and I text back and I said, you know, I feel, I feel extremely guilty as I study this subject of loving God. And I see my own humanness and how I, you know, when we, I, I was just last night or this morning thinking, you know, if, if we as his children, as Christians, truly love God, and the more we love God, the less of self there is. Then the more the Holy Spirit can take control of my life and your life. But when we get our focus off of loving God 
And then, then self starts to take over and fill our lives. And then the Holy Spirit gives us less direction. Can't direct our lives. And we strictly, we start making decisions based on self instead of what God has for us. And I don't have that, <clears throat> I don't have that written out on a PowerPoint. It just came to me yesterday as I was meditating and, and, and praying and looking at this subject of loving God. The more we love God, the less of self will start to disappear and the more the Holy Spirit can speak, work through us, can use us, and we can then feed the sheep, feed God's sheep. I'd like to move on and just look at every, it's, it's every part of us. Look at verse 3. It says, with my lips will I praise thee. Verse 4, with my tongue. In other words, he said, I will bless thee. That's speaking with his tongue. And then he says, verse 4, with my hands. I will show it with my hands. Verse 5. With my soul. My soul will be satisfied. What does that morrow and fatness stand for? The morrow is, it's, the morrow is literally, the best way I can explain it, if you study it in the Greek, it's like a steak. It's the best, it's like a filet. It's the best part. And fatness is just, it's like the richest, it's having abundance. That's what that means. The next one is, uh, with my mouth in verse 5. Do you speak? Do people know by the words that you say that you love God? And then verse 6, it says, When I remember thee upon my bed. When you and I lay down to go to bed, where does your mind go? Does your mind go and worry about what, what's, well, everything I have to do, everything I have to get ready for Christmas? Or can you lay down and you can say, thank you, God. Thank you for guiding me through this day. Thank you for allowing me to be your child. And then the end of verse 6 is that, and meditate on thee in the night watches. Where does your mind go when you wake up at 3 in the morning? I just challenge all of you to to uh, ask yourself those questions. It truly shows, I believe, it truly shows in my heart what kind of a love I have for God is when a good, a good way of, of, of uh, telling where your heart is is what do you do and where do your mind go when there's idle time, when there's nothing on the schedule where do, which, where do you drift to? That's a challenge for me. Where do I drift to? Where do I just, where does my default go? I like to go on and just look at what are the results? If, 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 if every part of me, my lips, my tongue, my hands, my soul, my mouth, my memory, my intellect, everything is focused on God. What are the results? And it's kind of redundant here, but in verse 3 it says, my lips will praise you. Verse 4 it says, I will bless you. Verse, no, in verse 4 again, I will lift up my hands. 
We're not afraid to, if, if, if the Holy Spirit prompts us, we don't have to look around and think, oh, well, nobody else is, so I can't either. Do you feel free in your spirit because of what God has done and your love for God that when, when the Holy Spirit prompts you, you can raise your hands and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. And the fear of man is not there. Verse 5, my soul will be satisfied. My mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. Verse 7, in the shadow of your wings I will rejoice. And verse 8, my soul follows hard after you. I love the picture of the words in verse 7, in the shadow of your wings. I don't know, do any of you have chickens like that lay eggs and then they hatch? Have you ever had those little chickens? I used to have those when I was a young boy. And I always loved to see when the cat would come around, how the, the mother hen would cluck and those little chicks would just, and, and she would spread her wings and they would be protected. And she literally, the, the hen literally, the mother hen would give her life for her chicks. And that is, that is a beautiful picture of Jesus Christ. Because he gave his life. And it says that we can hide under the shadow of his wings. That's where we run to when there's trouble. That's where we go to. Because there's safety and there's protection there. I had, I had a mother hen who had her left, her, one of her, I think it was her left eye, was totally gone. Because a cat had reached in through the... The, had that wire with the holes. A cat reached in to try to get a chick, and she attacked the cat's, just the paw, and the, the cat clawed, literally clawed an eye out. And I still remember that hen would still raise, take care and protect her young ones with just one eye. That was just, I'll never forget that. And that's a beautiful picture there in that verse. Under the shadow of thy wings. And verse 8 is the one thing that I missed. It says, Thy right hand upholdeth me. And I, I see a lot of young children here, and I just love the picture of a dad holding a little two-year-old and walking along. And that's just a beautiful picture of, of what Christ will do for us. When, when we are facing, when you're facing the most difficult time in your life, that you get a picture of holding on to the hand of God. Because that's really the only source, the only source that is going to be left. You know, if we put our trust and our, and our love in anything that man has created, it can be taken away. Will it? Probably not, but it can. But the only source that will never be taken away is God's love. So I'd like to just move on. <clears throat> And just one thing that came to my mind was just being abandoned to God. Abandoned to God is of more, and this comes from a devotional out of uh, Oswald Chambers. And uh, to, he had a devotional on, on loving God. And he said, abandoned to God is of more value than personal holiness. When we are abandoned to God, he works through us. Leaving ourselves alone and taking our hands off of ourselves and depending on God and letting Him control us. It says here, Christian workers fail because they place their desire for their own holiness above their desire to know God. The easiest part is thinking about it, the hardest part is doing it. And that is so true. 
So what does it? Elizabeth Elliot said this, I have one desire to live a life at reckless abandon for the Lord, putting all my energy and strength into that. So what does that look like? When we have reckless abandon to love God. I just wrote five things down. We're passionate about God. Our focus is on God and not on self. We're willing to abandon everything else. Decisions are made based on God's word. And then in Philippians 4.11, Paul says, I have learned in whatever state I am therewith to be content. What's Paul saying there? Paul's saying that it's not something that comes naturally. At least in my life, I've found that it doesn't come naturally. But Paul says, I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. And I believe it, we as Christians, it is something that, that we, I encourage you to ask God to show you in his word to, 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 that God's word would minister to you and I know, I know it does because I've read God's word. I've turned to a psalm or a proverb or something. And right there, that verse spoke to me. We talked about signs this morning in the, having signs in the Sunday school class. It's talked about the Old Testament. And there, I, I've been extremely blessed by opening the Bible and reading scripture and saying, that verse, verse is exactly what I needed for today. And I bless God for that. And I encourage you. In, in John chapter 1, it says, The Word was God. The Word was with God. And we say, well, you know, it's, it's difficult to have this relationship and to love God because He's so distant and my Father was this and He did that and therefore I have a, this hard time loving God. My encouragement to you is get into the Word. Because this is alive. It's inspired by God, by the Holy Spirit. And this is where you will get to know the heart of God. By getting into his word. Because it's not just another book. It is inspired by God. And so in in closing here, I just like to... I know that the Bible in different times it says, and Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. We could come across that way. You could almost take it like, okay, I have to do all the commandments. I have to obey everything if I love God. But let me turn that around and say, what we read in Matthew, it said that they challenged him. He said, well, first of all, you love God and you love your fellow man, your neighbor as yourself. And it says, and all these hang the law and the prophets. I believe that if we truly love God, that everything else will flow through that. And we don't have to run around trying to keep all the commandments because that will naturally happen within us as a child of God. Because self is removed, the Holy Spirit is in control, and your focus is on loving God. That's my challenge for you today. Keep your focus on Christ and on loving Christ. And it will automatically get your focus off of self. And you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit who will then use you in ways way beyond what you and I will ever comprehend. 
And I also want to say to you as, as young parents, don't, don't be frustrated with not being able to do what you would consider maybe, oh, great things of going on the mission field or going to, to do this or do that. Great things. When I look at you young families, to me, the, one of the greatest things you can do is to love your children. And even, even if you're not here as parents, when I, when, I, when I see Susan sitting over here, one of the greatest things you can do is, is right where you're at, at, at the gospel bookstore, what you're providing for our community and for tourists, that's a ministry. So be where God calls you. Love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. And that word strength in Greek means that everything that you have been given, all the power and all the resources, everything that you have been given. For some of you as businessmen, it's your money. For some of you, it's a talent. For, for you moms, it's ministering to your children. Wherever God has called you, wherever you are now, be right now where your feet are. And love God where you are. And some of us have destined, once in a while we all get destination disease, some of them where that comes from, and we say, well, once I get there, then I'm going to love God. Once the children are so old, then I can love God. Or once I have this paid off, then, or when I get this job. My challenge to you is love God right where you are today. So God bless you all. I just want to encourage you as a church. I know it's been a difficult journey the last couple years. But I just want to encourage you to be faithful. Because each one of you does exactly what the Bible says. Loving God, first of all. It will allow you to love man. And our focus will get off of self and also the shortcomings of our family and community and church people. And we can love God and love people at the same time. So, Tim, did you want to come up here and close? Okay. Well, God bless you all. It was good to be here with you. Tim, go ahead.